The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. been a fighter it always got me in trouble but there's nothing i do better in this life than fighting i'm an average guy more than average this is my dream nobody was taking this away from me Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. They just started recording, Matt, as you were putting your shirt on, and it bugs me that they didn't do it sooner. What a great way to start. We would have had you shirtless getting ready. Thank you, my little freaky friend. You like me with my shirt off. Well, I just think that the audience should see it. If I have to see it, I think they should see it. We should share in it. I'm sure you've seen worse. Um, Well, it's all a relative term. I've seen people who are in less shape than you every morning when I'm in the shower. I see my own awful bosoms. We have an interesting show today, too. A couple of friends of mine, comedians, uh, Jason and Randy Sklar, they're known as the Sklar Brothers. I haven't seen those guys in a while. They tour, they're funny comics, and they're hosting podcasts, uh, uh, View from the Cheap Seats and Dumb People Town. And they have something coming on Fight Pass. I'm not exactly sure what it is. And we have Michael Bisping joining us in a little while. We haven't talked to Mike in a while. And it'll be interesting to get his perspective on that whole uh, the, the minor incident between Cormier and Dominic Cruz. Uh, Jimmy, all I know is the fights were amazing. We're amazing, yeah. The other night. And I, I just want to let you know, and I'm going to be talking about it. I don't care if they don't want me to talk about it because I'm going to – don't have me do something and have me not talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. What would they have you not to talk about? I don't know. I did that watch party the other day at Longo. How was it? Horrible. Was it? No. Jimmy, compared to what? Compared to your watch party? Well, it's different. Ray's a very knowledgeable guy. I, I can only hang out with him socially on certain things. This is why. Can I, can I tell you why? Do we have a Sure. Second? Yes. Let me tell you. Uh, I get there myself and, and the great Marab. Me, him, and Marab. Marab gets a little late because he had the corner of a buddy of his. Okay. So, like, dude, first of all, I'm an animal person, Jimmy. I grew up with dogs. Sure. I always grew up with, like, at least two dogs around. You know what I mean? Geronimo. Yeah. May Geronimo rest in peace. And Queenie. Loved Queenie. Anyway, the point is this. I don't skeeve dogs, but dude, Longo, get little fucking hairy lucky under control. This little dog, it was like one of those little dogs, like 
like the tiny ones, like from Matt, from Men in Black. Oh yeah, it was yeah. hairy. It was like a little blonde hair, and it's all over everything. And like you're eating, dude. The thing's breathing all over my fucking pizza. It's all, it's and Longo's like, I, I first of all, listen. I, there's no bad animals, just like there's no bad kids, sure. parents, and bad owners. Yeah, Longo's a bad fucking owner. He doesn't discipline this little fuck. Yeah, well, this dog is everywhere, and I'm um, even the guy. One of the guys who's producing it. This guy, Nick, nice guy. He, has Star Wars knowledge. Uh, you know, he, he's sitting there, he's got this fucking dog breathing all over his fucking pizza. I go, dude, I go, Longo, it's not our place to reprimand your dog. What do you, how about you get the dog the fuck out of the room? How about that? Yeah. No, uh, lucky, lucky, get away. It, it's his house. What do you want? It's his house. Yeah. Jimmy, listen, you would have been so fucking skeeved. I don't want the fucking dog all over my goddamn food. I don't give a fuck. I let's bring in the Sklar brothers. Uh, yes, what? I agree hundred percent, Matt. I, I agree. You're bringing them in now. Should we have to? We have Michael Bisping coming shortly. I'll talk to somebody else about my weekend. There they are. What's Yo. up? Hey guys, how you doing, guys? Guys, good to see you, man. How did I not know you guys were big? Are you big MMA fans? I didn't realize that. Uh, we are MMA fans. We love MMA, and but I, I'm like we're sort of like newly kind of getting into it. We're like more general sports fans, but getting super into it. I, I'm fascinated by it for a lot of reasons, but I just love that. Like we I were love, not told by the way to shave our heads for this. That's okay. We we like the balance. We like the balance. You guys and us. I don't know if you guys can pull this look off. I don't know. Yeah. No, there's no way. No, we'd be big of a shot. People would be like, are you guys sick? I mean, when people say it to Norton, they're like, are you sick in the head? Yeah, it's a preference question. <laughs> yeah, it's a different sickness that Norton has. So you guys are like the Conor McGregor era with the with the mixed martial arts. You're like, you're, you know who Conor I mean, we wa- look, did we, we kind of definitely followed the result. I didn't watch, the, but we watched all the... We were doing shows this weekend, but we watched basically watched the fights from this weekend. We can talk about all the fights from this weekend. I mean, they were fantastic. I mean, one of the biggest upsets in all of UFC. That's what I heard. That was crazy. I mean, honestly... But, it, but yet, it, it is surprising, but it's not surprising. It's almost like no matter how good you are, somebody's going to beat you sooner or later. That's the nature of that game. And, and well, any punch can catch anyone at any point. Like, everybody's good enough to to catch someone in a moment and, and drop them. But to me, and I don't want to, like, we were kind of really trying to analyze it. I mean, the, the pre-fight press conference between Nunez and, and Perez, to me, was like foretold. Pena, Juliana Pena. Yeah, Pena. I'm sorry. There, that shows you how much we're, that shows you how well we're doing. Now, Julianapedia, that to me foretold what would happen in the fight, because like Nunez comes in in the Woody Allen hat, she was going to touch up this kid, and she's but like didn't have all the information. I felt like she like came in hot, but like Pena was like, yeah. yeah. Then I ragdolled some girl who, or I beat the girl who ragdolled you, or something like that. And it's like, well, you can't come back from that. You just pop, pop, pop. I wonder if uh, Matt, you would know better, obviously, but she said something about like her head might not have been in it. Did you, did you ever have that where you just you just know you don't have it? Like for standups, we know like there's times you're on stage and you're like I just don't have what I need right now. Does that happen in a fight? Well, it's different in her situation. I wasn't that reigning goat. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I right. considered I was. You know, I had my losses before I even got to that at that point in my career. I was one of the hugest upsets. I'm not the guy on the other end. Yeah. You know, yeah. those are the ones who get cocky. You know, like, nah, and I don't want to say that about Amanda, but nobody, when nobody's giving your opponent a, a shot at you, 
Right. And like, and you're being yep. for so long, you're beating scary monsters. No offense in the in the cage, like like cyborg. I mean, yeah, cyborg. You want to meet cyborg in a, in a in a fucking dark alley? You know no. what I mean? No. You, at, you know, you know what I mean. Then you look at Julia Pena. I mean, it might not be as frightening, but shit, she did. When you when you brought up that press conference, you brought up a very good point. Yeah. When, he, when she said that she ragdolled the girl that she beat, she ragdolled the, the beat the girl that ragdolled, girl that ragdolled her. That's she's talking about Kat Zingano. Kat Zingano had to weather a hell of a storm when she fought him. People forget about this. Amanda Nunes put it on Kat Zingano in round one. Round one, and then after that, she got tired. And it was kind of similar to what happened here. So this is not the first time she lost like this. I know people might not remember, but if they go back and look at her fight with Kat Zagano, you're going to see something similar. Somebody that survived an, a fucking assault in the beginning and then overcame. Juliana Pena didn't have to survive that. She, she actually did a good job of getting a grappling early, getting a grappling early and getting her the blood in her fucking in her uh, in her arms. So that takes away a little bit of the pop also. Were you surprised at how Pena was just landing that jab? Like just landing the jab? I mean, landing it over and over and over again. It looked like Nunez was tired. I, I agree with you. I think the, all the pressure is off Pena to walk in that ring. She was like, I'm going to beat you and then I'll take that. This is in the press conference. I'll beat you and then I'll take that fight again and I'll beat you again and I'll be at 11 and 2. I, see, that's what I love about athletes anywhere. You know, like we're Michigan, University of Michigan fans, football fans. We didn't beat Ohio State for 10 years. And every single team, when they walk out of the tunnel before that game, they're like, we're going to kick their ass. We're going to kick their ass. We're like, really? Have you been watching for the last decade? You haven't been able to kick shit? And now, so I just love that athletes and especially fighters are like, no, I'm going to win and I'm going to beat her again. Isn't it weird to see that like, as comedians? It's so weird to see that confidence because like whenever they're like, I'm, I'm the best in the world. All I'm thinking of is like, if they said, we're going to bring you out, but we're going to say that you're kind of sucky and you're, I'm like, fine, great. I, 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 I amazing. Yeah. I can never oversell. I guess for fighting, you need that ability, that mentality. You, you do, but I, but, but I will say this, Norton, about your comedy is that when you focus on your own weaknesses, that's when you you actually turn weaknesses into strengths. I think that's a big part of comedy. It's kind of the opposite for fighting. But like in comedy, you're like you walk up if Jim Norton's on stage and, and you're like I'm just trash, the crowd goes crazy and you're making fun of yourself. Like that's something that you understand that that's a power source for you. But I mean, the so, truth of yeah. the matter is, and and Norton, you'll agree, I think, is like you go out on stage as a comic, you don't, you don't really know what you're going to get from time to time. Like you don't know how the crowd is going to be. You get a late show Friday night in a club over a weekend. You're like, they've been working all day. They've been drinking all night. This could go one of two ways. Either they're going to love it. And then we're going to ride this wave and it's going to be great. I think in very similar ways, you step in the octagon, that's the same thing. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but don't you feel that way? It's like, you don't know what you're going to get. And there's the same number of people in the octagon normally as at my late shows. <laughs> Someone's going to get injured. Too. Some drunk woman coming at you wanting to take your neck off. Right. When you walk into that cage, you, you know that. So, well, I'll tell you, it could be, you know, going in, especially when you have a loss or two. It could either be the best night of your life or yeah. one of the worst. You're either going to have a glorious moment that's hard to describe or... You get embarrassed in front of everybody you know, and you can get like an ugly knockout. You can get back fisted by a guy wearing a speedo. You don't know what could happen in that. Someone's gonna climb up a wall. It and gets kick you. fucking crazy. Let me ask you something, guys. As yeah. Canadians and and being brothers, who started first? 
And did somebody – what's the age difference of you guys? Yeah, so we're twins. twins. We're twins. Uh, that was that was his uh, that was his Juliana Pena. That was yeah. his Pena Perez moment. Um, yeah, we're twins. And uh, no, we we basically started at the same time. We were both fans of comedy, like huge, huge comedy fans. Like early on, we were teenagers and kids, and we're like we want to do this. And we and the crazy thing is, there are no twins. There there were no twins doing it. There were certainly weren't twins like on TV on TV. And we could right. be like, oh, we want to be like them. So we just were like, oh, we love Richard Lewis and David Letterman and you know wait. Chappelle. I mean, and Chappelle kind of was starting around the same time as us, but like. Shandling, we love Gary Shandling. And like, we're like, let's just go. And we didn't even ever say like, should I go on stage? And then you go on stage and then and then we'll both try it together. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. And we were just like, oh, no, let's just both go up together. We didn't even discuss it. And we started in New York around the same time Jim did, like right in early 90s in New York. I started in Jersey in 1990, and I came into New York probably in 95, mid-95, 95, yeah. So we got to New York in 94. We had been doing it in Ann Arbor and Detroit and St. Louis, like 92, 93. So right around the same. Best, Jim did our MTV show. He did stand-up on our MTV Did we give you your first TV spot? Was that your first? You, you, what year was that? Because my 96, first- 96, 97, 97. It's close. It was either that or the Louis Anderson show. Yeah. Oh, no, Friday Night Videos or Friday Night Videos. It's, it's right. in that. It's in that whole. What was Apartment Two F? Remember Galifianakis had a show like Apartment Two F? Wasn't that Zach? Apartment Two F. Zach Galifianakis was on that show. Michael Showalter, who's gone on to be a great director, he was a part of that. Oh, really? Here's, here's really? the stand-ups. Here's the stand-ups. Yeah, listen, you'll love this. This is so. It was a sitcom, but like with sketches and stand-ups and short right. films. Here's the stand-ups: Jim Norton, Patrice O'Neill, Bill Burr, Patton Oswalt. Uh, Arch Barker, who else? Uh, Jim Florentine, yeah, Joe Rubin, unbelievable. It was killer. Jeff Ross did it. UCB, Amy Poehler, first time on TV, all that stuff. Oh, really? Even Colbert did it. It was great, amazing, amazing show. Yeah, it's weird. Like uh, you look at all those old, those old shows, and there was so many of them to do. And for a younger, up and coming comic, like the first ten years, it was nice to have some TV opportunities. Yeah, yeah that one. MTV were. was good. MTV was good to comics. It, it was. was. They really were. Definitely. I was going to say, Jimmy, I'm confused though. Now, how are you? Well, Jimmy, you're kind of in similar shoes doing this show with me. But how do you guys be in comics? I mean, were you always involved with sports? Did you play when you were younger? Yeah, yeah. So we're huge sports fans. And then in the early 2000s, we did a show 
on uh, ESPN Classic called Cheap Seats, where it was like Mystery Science Theater with the old weird sporting events. So we would watch everything from dog shows, cheerleading competitions, uh, you know, bearded mustache championships, spelling bees, and over the footage. Old wrestling, boxing. And we would make jokes over it. So we did 77 episodes of that show. It was like a cult classic. So many people watch it. I mean, like, and, and we're hearing now, like, we'd hear from, like, so we'll have people on our podcast. We do a sports podcast called View from the Cheap Seats. And we'll have, like, who do we have on there? Like, someone, Ryan Dempster, who pitched for the Cubs. And he was, like, you know, back with, like, Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor and those guys. Back in the Steve Bartman year. In the Steve Bartman year. They, in the clubhouse, they had, their DVR was literally just filled with episodes of our show. And you just, like, hear this, that athletes, you know, because they watch classic. and they Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Rodgers. I mean, he came up to us and was like, hey, I love Cheap Seats. Like, oh, tons cool. of people knew it. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, crazy because it was on ESPN and they would run it all the time. So, that tied us in, like, kind of connected our comedy and our love of sports together. And, and we've just been kind of doing it ever since. We'll guest host Jim Rome show and uh, t- literally get deep, deep, deep in the weeds and sports with that and i I mean again i i we love there's a lot that i love about ufc i love that a woman's card can be a woman's fight can be like the headline of the card so there's like it's you know this is the way it should be in tennis i'm like how many people are watching like some obscure six foot seven inch croatian guy play an obscure six foot eight inch serbian guy in tennis whereas opposed to you're like do you want to see serena williams play yeah i do that's actually more important to me than watching these two fucking no names over here do it so it's like i feel like ufc gets it right also you guys talked about like well that was just nunez's time but you know why because the fights get made every month like we all wanted to see manny pacquiao fight floyd mayweather jr we did for five six years they didn't make the fight yeah and you're like well that ruined it you, you the window was gone so UFC makes the fights you want to see, and there are, there's always some, a, a great one. So there's something exciting about that. It gives the fans exactly what they want. Yeah, I like that too about UFC is that they're always trying to get you the fight. That's probably because there's only one promoter, and that's UFC. That's right. Um, so it, it, it's, it's all kind of done in-house. But you don't have to wait crazy amount. Like when a fight makes sense, except for like uh, Mass Fidel Edwards, and sometimes a fight will get ready to be made but then something happens and it just keeps getting fucked up and then up. you got to get another guy in yeah yeah but normally you're right dude they they, they i'd say 80 percent of the time make those fights happen while people still have interest it's really uh brilliant what, what do you guys have coming on fight pass today told us you have something coming on fight pass so i don't know if we're allowed to announce it but we are developing a we we can within the world of it we're developing a show that will harken back to our cult classic cheap seats through fight pass looking at some great old footage that lives in the world of fight pass because i mean fight pass is incredible like if you want to go back and watch like ufc one two three like you can see how far the ufc has come since the what it was in the early days we we, this is the way we described it to them it's like take a look at your yearbook photo from 1989 you're like what the fuck was i wearing why did i have a mullet and why did i have a mullet in the front you're like jesus christ (laughs) why did i have a perm and a mullet but you're like that's what i was doing back then i know who i turned out to be i know what i became i know who I am now, but so it's almost like a love letter to UFC. So we're, oh, that's great. Yeah, it's cool, and it, it's it it's fun for us to try and find a way to bring 
the kind of comedy that we would care about and watch and put right up next to the best comedies on television everywhere and put it in the in the arena UFC. of the UFC. So we're really excited. That's that's going to be this coming year. So we're, we're pumped about it. It's not going to be. Now, you guys, I don't know how knowledgeable you are with the fight game. Oh, you're not just going to put like fucking Three Stooges sound effects in that fucking thing. Are you? No, gonna, absolutely what not. What exactly am I looking at? Like, what, are, what am I going to be looking at? Like, they could just show in UFC number fucking one with the sumo out getting kicked in the face, the tooth goes into the front row. Are you working with that kind of thing? Like, what Yes, are yes. All the so way, way back. We're going to be going way back, looking at all kinds of unbelievable and hilarious footage, footage that, you know, and there's some other crazy fights that have happened recently, but we're going to try and find the moments that stand out as the most bizarre and funny. Yeah, and we don't, we're not going to break down the fights technically. There are like way better people to do that, but there are hilarious things. Like, and we're going to use the fights and moments and, and things within the fights to bounce out into comedy sketches and bits and all that kind of stuff. So you'll see it's a, it, it's using it as like source material and springboard for creating a comedy show. It's but with, cool. but with a, with a healthy respect for the sport, and right. because we do, we do respect it. Yeah, yeah, you can't yeah. Snoop Dogg on there. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, no, Dogg, it won't be that, that commentary. I don't know how that show didn't fucking take off. Well, look what Snoop's doing right now. I mean, with Snoop and Kevin Hart, what they did with the Olympics and stuff like that. So, so goddamn funny, and it's amazing. What are they doing? They're they're just doing commentary over like weird stuff that's happening. They did it in the last. They would like do the wrap up of like this is what happened today, and it's like a horse doing like a horse thing, and Snoop's like, "Why is that horse crip walking?" And we're like, "That's funny. That's funny. That's I'll funny. take that. I like it." So that and I was like, "Are you saying because that horse is a blood? Is that what you're saying? Or is yeah." <laughs> Because it would be weird if a blood was crip walking. Yes. Whatever. I don't. I don't need to get in the weeds with you know. And speaking of weed, Snoop Dogg. <laughs> yeah. So you guys are doing gigs too, right? Do you always tour together? Do you guys go out on stage together? Or yeah, man. How, how do you work? We're up there together. We're on stage, and we. Um, yeah, we just got back from Tempe, Arizona, doing the Tempe Improv, which is a great club. Love that. We're doing a New Year's show, which we typically we don't, but we're going to Aurora, Illinois to do the Comedy Shrine. And then we have like one gig a month for the next several months that we're doing. So Denver Comedy Works in January, uh, DC Comedy Loft in February, Hilarities in Cleveland in uh, March, go to the Back to the Moon Tower Comedy Festival, which is awesome in Austin, and then go to the Crocodile Rock Club in, in Seattle in May, and then probably wind up at, uh, in Montreal this summer too. So... You know, keep it going. Love doing the live shows as we build up. You know, there's nothing more exciting as as Norton. You can you can attest to this. There's nothing more exciting than coming up with a new bit and then putting it on stage and putting it through a weekend of shows. Right? Yep. Yeah. When it works, and, and it's almost fun sometimes when it it starts to work and then it doesn't work, but then you fix it and it works. Yeah, it's a fun process when it when it uh, when it turns out okay. It's like fighting. You know, you start to say, and you, you know, it's like fighting where you say to yourself, okay. And Matt, you know this too, that like, you're like, okay, these techniques are working for me right now. And what if I were to pair that with this? You know, it's funny because not to go back to the fights this past weekend, but like, you know, the Poirier fight, he he was amazing and kicking the guy's ass in in round one. But he was just doing one thing. And I thought... You know, Oliveira was so multidimensional and kept doing different things in round one that finally yeah. in round two, he stepped up and the the other dimensions of Oliveira's game actually took Poirier. I was like, Poirier, you better knock him out because this guy's still, you know, he's still hanging around. A lot of knees, a lot of elbows, and he's hanging around. And then that weird second round where, you know, Poirier is like just on his up. back the whole time. His jiu-jitsu came into play. That's, That's right. right. And Jimmy actually picked by rear naked Joe. I, I, oh, actually, that was me. I'm Jimmy. 
I, I'm sorry. I knew you, you picked that, Matt. All right, good. I might have, I might have picked him winning by yeah naked choke. You did, you I, did. I, yeah. I knew it was one of us, guys. I have a question about you writing your bits. Yes, because you know every I I, I get fascinated by the stand up comedy, and I like to know people's writing style. Do one of you just come up to the other one and go, I got this idea or vice versa. And then you play up each other. Or is that how it works? Yeah. It's, it's interesting to you. I mean, be, you know, obviously with like one person, it's, you know, this happened to me and you kind of go through it. But for us, it, we're almost like a band. Uh, we were watching that documentary about, um, great documentary about uh tom petty where he's talking about being on tour and he's just like he had the guitar riff for the waiting and he's just like the whole time in a motel room he's like do 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 he was doing it all day and finally his band members are like shut the fuck up or let's sit down and write let's sit down and write a song so he had the little kernel of it and then they built the song out of it so a lot of that happens with us where something happens and we're like okay what's the overall idea? How do we then, what's the truth in the thing? What are some jokes about the the concept? So, so we can even just tell you like of something we just wrote that just happened this weekend. Like we literally just wrote it this weekend, put it up on Saturday night, Saturday early, Saturday late, Sunday, Sunday. show we did it. And now it's like a new bit that we're going to start. So, doing. so I was, I have a seven year old daughter and I was just explaining how she'll just make regular observations to me about me that are more insulting than the worst insults I've ever heard in a relationship <laughs> ever. Right. So she'll just be like looking at an old picture of us and be like, daddy, remember when you had all that hair? That's not, not mean. mean. Not mean. That's not mean at all. Just yeah, a like fact. for a month. I'm like, great. Now I'm a bald yeah. asshole. Like it like it burrows into your soul. She's yeah, like, yeah. I came out to go do stand up, and she looked at my shirt and she's like, does that shirt fit? Not me. Not me. That is not, not mean me, at all. You're like, thanks a lot. Now I'm not going to have dessert for a month. Wonderful. God damn it. And then she said, and then she said, uh, dad, you're the oldest dad in my class. And I was like, made some mistakes in my twenties. Yeah. Maybe That's I was part. focusing on my career. Why am I justifying myself what to you? Fuck? Why am I, I'm not Larry fucking King. All right. I can pick, pick you up every once in a while. This is I, Jimmy, this is, might be more funny than me. Cause I have a, an eight year old and a 10 year old. So my, I mean, my, oh, my little daddy. I'm like, I'm five, six, you know? Yeah. I'm like, little daddy. No, she's little daddy. Sure. <laughs> hear me walking up. I walk a little fucked up my knees from, you know. Yeah. It, you know, it takes a little, your body takes a toll. Sure. Get into the Hall of Fame, like Jimmy will tell you. Sure. So sure. The kids will hear me upstairs. Ah, oh, here comes the zombie. Dude, I'm with you, man. These kids are fucking brutal. They're brutal. So, I made you. So, so, so that, so, so that was. So you talk about the process, and Jim, you'll love this. So that was the thing that we had, and we started riffing around with that and having fun, and then we were like, "What's what is, the bit beyond that? How can we make it a Sklar Brothers bit? Like, how do we make it a bit beyond that?" And so we're like, so I started saying, you know, I'm not the only old dad there's a lot of old dads now old dads with like little matt kids. how old are you matt how old are you 40, i'm 47 okay we're 49 so we're old dads that's just what it is you're just you look around and people are having kids later they're old dads so we're like the how, i want to make money off that yeah we gotta monetize this so we said for a bunch of old dads who can't do all the things their little kids want your knees are fucked up you can't yeah. do it we want to create an app that just, we're going to call it Young Daddy, and I know that sounds like a gay sex app. We'll work on the title. Please whatever. stay with us. We okay? got excited. We'll work on that. So Jimmy got excited. So so it's uh so it's Young Daddy, but we're gonna maybe we'll call it Lift 
It's like Lyft or Uber, like lift Lyft up. up your kids for you. All right. So your kid asks you to do something like, daddy, roll down this hill with me. And you're like, obviously I can't, I do, can't that. do that. But, but if, if you, you open s- up the app, you say, if you wait for three minutes, Samir will be here in a white Jetta and uh, he's going to roll down the hill with you. He's got a lot of clone on. Uh, I'll just roll off. And by the way, I love you, honey. Watch your back. He's got only three stars. It's the closest one. He's the a closest young dad. guy in the area. And so it becomes this act out where we do a bunch of scenarios of young dads and that that became, you know, you know, it was a germ of an idea based off of my daughter making observations and me talking about the truth of that, that they hurt. That's where it starts. And then it works through the thing and it gets to the point where we're like coming up with this app called Young Daddy, where like you get young dads yeah. to do the things that old dads won't want to do. And that is like more relatable to everybody. And suddenly we have a five minute because then it becomes a bunch of jokes about Ubers and Lyfts and how... Yeah, like my favorite joke is like, if you just wait 11 minutes, Muhammad will be here in a red Corolla. And then it's like about the car, about the guy. And And why is he... Why is it 11 minutes? Well, he's finishing up a piggyback ride in the area. So like now we're making... Uber jokes, right? So you got it. So it's super fun for us. And I don't know if you're watching the Beatles documentary right now on Disney+. Plus. Yes, I think I'm 17 hours in. Okay, great. So you're you're just in the first episode? First episode, yeah. Super. It's only uh, so you got to the point where they're just tuning their instruments. All right. Good. Yes. Okay. Yes. Good, they're good. still the Silver Beetles. <laughs> <laughs> it's only three hours shorter than the Irishman. All right. So, uh, so, so, but in that thing that what I love about it, I'm sure you do too, uh, is is that it's about the process, how people, how an idea starts. It's so cool to hear them singing "Get Back" and and he's like something Arizona. Should I say something from Arizona? And like you hear them forming the words, doing it wrong first, and then getting it to where we all know it. I mean, I wonder if this is the way it is. And Matt, you can talk about this too. But like, do fighters, you know, because obviously fighters have specialties and they're like, this is what I do. I'm a, I'm a ground and pound guy. I'm a, I'm a stand up fight. I will knock your block off. And this is how I fight you. I'll, I'll kick the shit out of you. And that's how I do it. Do they formulate their voice as like their fighting voice, so to speak? You know what I mean? They're like, I'm known for this. This is who I am. And that's my voice in the ring. Well, there's, there's KO artists, and then there's yeah. also just guys that are there's different levels in each area. Like, in other words, you have to be well rounded. It's not UFC yes. number one. Everybody's at least blue belt level on the ground. Right. Right. Nobody should be mounted just sitting there trying to push them off. They should have ideas how to get out. They should right. have ideas how to take away a takedown, even yep. if they're an expert striker. But then there's levels to that. Now, when I heard Dustin Poirier talking how there's basically no more just disciplines, everything's mixed martial arts and you have to be, yes, but there's such a level in, you saw it very competitive standing up. Yeah. And Dustin, where was there a big difference? When he was on the ground. Yeah. And I told before this fight started, I told Jimmy, I go, look, man, when's the last time he fought a straight up or a real specialist in, in, in the grappling realm. And it was Habib. Before Habib, if you're doing, if you're doing rock'em sock'em, if you're doing, all these stand-up fighters from Max Holloway all down the line to um, Bobby Green with these different styles. Dustin Poirier, he matches up well across the board. Standing right. up. He's horrible. He could fight out of both stances. He's fucking, he's, he's, he's a beast. Yeah. Look what happened with Habib when he got him down. He strangled him. At the, now he has another shot at the title. And the guy with the most submissions in, in the division. I think in UFC history. Am I crazy? Or is you want- history. Yeah. Well, you put that together. Shit, man. I'm like, yo, 
this guy gets his back, it could be a wrap. Like, so there's differences in that one area. So that's when you saw it. When he took him down and everybody's like, why is Dustin keeping a locked guard? That was a bad song. That was a bad yeah. sign because you're like, he's got no answers. He's got no answers to what's going on right here. It's what you said. You've got to have an answer. Yes. It's, to me, that's that's cool about uh, UFC fighting as well is that it's a lot of like, okay, your strategy is this. Now, how do I combat that? How do I combat your strategy to do this to me? Because you could see Oliveira trying to get him down to the ground. I'm not bringing this back to me, Jimmy. Don't I don't like, you know, don't embarrass me. No, but when, I know. But when still. I won the title, when I upset you <laughs> on St. Pierre, I'm just bringing it up. Listen, sure. part of the reason, what I mean, and I'll be the first to admit it, I was known as a fucking jujitsu master. Here yeah. we go. Sarah jujitsu. There I you like go. I my shit. But the yeah. point is, everybody's like, yo, if he gets it down, he has a shot. But look, he... I used to fight in a smaller weight class. He fought better straight up wrestlers than me. Matt Hughes, Frank Trigg, Sean Shirk. So people said the chance of me getting him down is very unlikely. So so the fact is, though, it looked horrible. Meanwhile, I knew I was going to stand up with the motherfucker because I knew getting him down would have been exhausted and then a shooting fish in the barrel. So I felt like I had that that little ace up up my sleeve when people didn't realize I was going to use a totally different game plan until it was too late. And then the rematch, he found that shit out. It didn't work well. But the point is, he didn't know in the first one with me going in, Jimmy. Now, Jason and um, uh, uh, Jesus Christ, Randy. Randy. Uh, Yeah, I know. (laughs) I was going to say, Randy, uh, we have to get Michael Bisping on. What are you guys promoting? um, And um, what do you want people to know? Like, what's, What's the most immediate thing? So I'd say the most immediate thing is listen to our podcast, View from the Cheap Seats at Sports um, and Comedy. I would also say we have a Patreon where we're doing old episodes of our old show, Cheap Seats. New episodes. New episodes of our old show, Cheap Seats, called Cheaper Seats. Uh, And then come see us if you're in the Chicagoland area at uh, the Comedy Shrine on New Year's. New Year's Eve in Aurora. But uh, Supersclars.com is the website if you want to see where we're playing near you. And look out in the new year on Fight Pass for this uh, new show, which is going to be super fun. Super fun. High-level comedy. And I think people on high level comedy with mad respect for the game itself. And uh, I think fans of UFC will love it. Comedy fans will love it. It might bring a new audience of people to UFC. And it certainly will bring a new audience of UFC people to us. And we feel like that's going to be a nice combo. Thank you, guys. Jason, Randy, good seeing you guys. Uh, you guys are awesome. doing so well. Appreciate you. All right, buddy. See you guys soon, man. See ya. Bye. You put in the work training at the gym, on the court, at the track, wherever you go. You push your body to the limit. Now, maximize your results. Discover how to unlock your inner champion with Thorne's high-performance sports nutrition line. With the most comprehensive line of NSF certified for sport products on the market, Thorne is the unquestioned leader in both quality and innovation in sports nutrition. With pre-built fitness bundles like Thorne's training bundle, you can jumpstart your training and fitness routines and help take your performance to the next level. Don't trust your body to anything else. Choose the supplement brand with the extensive third-party testing and the highest level of certification recognized in pro sports. Choose Thorne, the official sports performance nutrition partner of the UFC. Visit Thorne.com and use the promo code UFC10. That's T-E-N for 10% off. That's promo code ufc one zero. And you get 10% off and Matt and I get the credit and that's all that matters. This episode of UFC Unfiltered is brought to you by Love Hemp, the official CBD partner of UFC. 
Life can be a challenge. Whoever you are, we're all striving for a healthier lifestyle. Love Hemp, one of the leading premium organic CBD and hemp suppliers, here to help people like you. The Love Hemp range contains CBD oils, edibles, and topicals contain cannabinoids, which help support wellness and recovery to maintain your natural balance. It's even endorsed and used daily by elite fighters like Gilbert Burns, GSP, and Kamaro Usman. Whatever challenge you may be facing, Love Hemp, they're always in your corner. Love Hemp, helping you to be the best you can be. Available now via lovehemp.com across Europe and coming to the U.S. markets this year. There's Michael Bisping. Hey. How you doing, buddy? What's up, fellas? Believe you me, we're happy to see you. Yeah. (laughs) I'm happy to see you guys as well. Look at the professionalism of your setup. Holy shit. That's some impressive cameras. You've never looked so ugly, Matt. I, Michael Bisping, first of all, look at that. First hair. of all, yes, he has. I can, first of all, <laughs> look at that fucking hair. I will willingly, I'll pluck out my own eye if I can have a head of hair like that. You understand? Whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you going to talk about plucking out eyeballs just because I, I can do that? I my looks. <laughs> all right, let's start, let's start again. Michael Bisping on yeah. this. I'm only kidding. Now, I got to ask you, Michael, to start because I just watched it today. Uh, our DC and uh, DC. Uh, is everything cool between Cruz and Cormier? That was very awkward. Um, and then you kind of went into mediated. Yeah, it was a little awkward. You know, I was just sitting back in the background and I had no idea what they were talking about. I didn't know what Cruz had done. And then someone from the production team was like, you better get in there. This is turning kind of nasty. So I went in and gave some comedy relief. Fortunately, DC is a, he's a big cuddly teddy bear. He's not a man you want to mess with, but sure. he is a big cuddly teddy bear. And uh he handled it better than what I would have done. Let's just put it like sure. that. Because if Cruz went up there and said that about me, I might have uh, I might have motherfucked him a bit. But, but DC was very, you know, he was very diplomatic about it. He's very calm. Uh, so, so all credit to DC. And listen, Dominic Cruz, he owned it. He said it right to his face. So, you know, call it right, call it wrong, call it whatever you will. But the man's not two-faced, I guess. No, no, he's very honest with his opinions. And I don't even agree because I, I, I happen to love the combination of you guys or with Joe or with Anik. Like, I never listen to it and think, wow, DC, I wish he watched more film. I love what he brings. Like, I, I love what Cruz brings. Like, I, I, the combination of all you guys works perfectly. Yeah, well, thank you. Problem is, I think Dominic was saying something about how Cruz, how um, Dominic was saying how DC was commenting on one of his fights. Yes. So that's like a comedian watching you do a special, being like, ah, yeah. And you're like, wait a minute, that's not how I set that up. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, you know how it is, Matt, though. As fighters, if somebody's talking about your fight in a certain way, maybe we are a little too sensitive. I know I've been in dressing rooms about to go out for a fight, and then on the pre-fight show, there's people predicting me to lose. I'm like, really? Okay, okay, I'll remember that. But of course, they're just doing the job. DC does a great job. He's absolutely yeah. fantastic. Dom's out of his mind. Dom's great at what he does. Had a fantastic fight Saturday night. There it is. Drama over. They kissed, they made up, they're best friends again. All good. And Dominic looked really, really good in that fight. I mean, I couldn't believe how how well he fought. I was really happy to see it. Um, You know, it it was nice. He looked uh, terrific. He did everything he wanted to do. 
He got off to a rough start. I saw Pedro Munoz put him down twice, I think. And I was like, oh, no, come on. Because even though Dominic, you do want to strangle him sometimes. And that's a fact. I've definitely had those emotions on more than one occasion. But still, you you, <laughs> you want the guy to win. I don't know Pedro Munoz from anyone. I'm sure he's a very nice guy, but I know Dom. So I was like, oh, sure. crap. This isn't looking good. But rounds two and three, I thought he made some incredible adjustments. The speed was still there. The footwork, the elusiveness that he's known for. Yeah, really good performance. What was the, there's a couple of decisions too, uh, Michael. There's one of them that was, uh, I thought easily was 29, 28. Uh, and I was like, is this going to be even a split decision? And he went 30, 27. And I'm trying to think it was uh, clearly, I think was the, is that his name? Uh, the judge Cleary or clearly. Um, I, I remember him, him. It was kind of egregious. Uh, one of the fights he called that. Do you remember which one that was? It might've been Ige Emmett. Yeah, Ige Emmett, I think that's the one that I saw because I saw 30-27 and I immediately thought, well, that, uh, sorry, Josh Emmett's won because Josh Emmett dropped Ige in the first round. So there's no way that that that, that round can't have been scored a 10-9 for Josh Emmett. So when I saw that, I thought it was a 30-27, but then Ige definitely won at least one of those rounds, but it is what it is. That's the way it goes. Yeah, that's got to be frustrating as a fighter, though, like to, to know that two guys can see it so completely. And is it because they put value on different things? Uh, one guy will value takedowns higher. Or one guy will value, uh, you know, the, whoever's pressing the action more. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess. But the thing is, you know, when it's a 10-9 and it can go either way, the round can still be clear, uh, very, very close. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And 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 you could argue it one way or another. So I didn't necessarily think it was egregious. I didn't think it was crazy. I just thought, oh, well, he, he saw it that way. You know, anytime there's these fights that are close, the word robbery gets thrown around far too often. When it's a close fight, it's a close fight. You know what I mean? And, and it is what it is. And the judge saw it your way. You know, maybe he could watch it again and score it another way. But as I say, when it's very close, the word robbery is going to stop being used. Like Max Holloway and Volkanovsky. I thought but, uh, Holloway won the second one. So it but it wasn't a robbery. It was a close fight that is down to your personal opinion, you know? You know, and again, maybe I, for some reason, I remember thinking that Max won the first one too. If I watched it again, I might feel differently. But I thought the second one felt like, wow, he absolutely won that one. But I'm not a fighter, so I, I, you guys see so much more than I do. And and you may see things that I would have thought like, wow, Max won that round. But you go, no, if you watch it closer, Volkanovski won. But I thought Max won both of those fights. Um, do you think that Volkanovski definitely won the first one? Uh, again, I'd have to go and watch it so I don't yeah. want to speak. But I, but I do know that when I saw the second one, because I called it, I even said I thought Volkanovski won. And then I had to do a post show, and Volkanovski came up to the desk, and I'm like, okay, well he's gonna go back and he's gonna watch the fight. He's gonna see what I said. So I've got to own it to his face, kind of like Dominic Cruz. I'm like, hey buddy, I just said that world title fight that you just went out there and fought your ass up in. I just said that you lost to everyone to the world. But you know, I, I had to be a man about it, and he took it in his stride. He's like, yeah, okay, that's cool. I said it respectfully. That was the difference. Hey, let's talk about the new champ. Yeah. Uh, big upset. Huge upset. Juliana Pena, uh, you know, with that rear naked choke over arguably the GOAT, Amanda Nunes. Now, when you really listen, hindsight's twenty twenty. We all know that shit. But when you really dissect this and you look in the past and you look at that press conference, what, what uh, Juliana was saying, she has a point with the point where that one, she she beat Katsugano, Katsugano weathered a storm, and then put it on Amanda. I, it's been a while before, I, it was ages ago that happened. And since then, Katsugano had some mixed fights. She's no longer with the promotion and whatnot. And since then, Amanda Nunes looked nothing short of phenomenal. And look what she's done right. since. 
But y'all must have forgot. No, I'm only kidding. But you got to remember that shit. I mean, that happened. It's not like she never lost that way. So when nobody was ever even Misha Tate, somebody with, with similar game plans, Ronda was way too late. When they want to try to tie her out by grappling, she's so good at the sprawl and brawl. She's accurate. Nobody got able to make her, was able to make her grapple. Think yeah. She was only grappling in those last fights with Jermaine, Jermaine, Jermaine. I always fuck up her name. Yeah. I don't have Michael's job. But she's always able to initiate the grappling when she wants. So when Juliana, when Juliana was able to survive the striking and then get her to grapple, when they're, by the time they were able to strike again, now it's an endurance game. Now you don't have that, 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 that pop in, your, in the strikes the same way you did in the opening bell. So then Juliana is able to stand up more with her and there was the downfall. I'm just basically giving you guys a recap. So what yeah. did you do to fight, Michael? Yeah, you, you know what? To be honest, I thought Amanda Nunes showed in the first round what everyone expected her to do. You know what I mean? She outclassed her. She beat her in every position. She put her down twice. Even in the grappling exchanges, she hip-tossed her. She controlled her on the ground. She did what she was supposed to do. But in the second round, she gassed. She got tired. Now, whether or not that was because she got complacent in training camp, maybe the success and being the, you know, the the the, the growth, as they now call her, maybe all this gets to you and you don't push yourself quite as hard. Whereas on the flip side, Juliana Pena, this is her shot of glory. This is her yeah. shot of gold. This is her shot of making all the sacrifice over the last 10 years really mean something to become the champion of the world and to beat Amanda Nunes. You can sure as hell guarantee that you are getting out of bed every day. You're doing your road work you're, you're doing those little tiny things that make the difference in training camp to be as successful was Nunes we don't know did she get complacent did she rest on her laurels you know the points what you said there Matt, a minute ago are great but when you look at the, the reality uh, Peña's two and three or three and two in her last five Right, Amanda Nunes is someone like on a 13, 14 fight with she hasn't been beaten since 2014. She's beaten five people that Juliana Pena couldn't beat. Do you know what I mean? So on yeah. paper, it's Nunes all day. And that's what we saw in the first round. But as we said, that she's only human and things start going wrong and you get tired. Then you make mistakes and you start getting your head boxed off and you think, oh, I can stand there and go toe to toe with Cyborg. I can do this. I can beat her. You know, and that, that, that little voice in your head, that inner dialogue, that ego takes over and you stand there and trade in a straight line. She tried to go in five times with her right hand and walked into a job, jab every time. Pena followed up with some right hand, some left hooks. You know, it, it was, I'm a massive fan of Amanda Nunes. So I want to choose my words carefully, but, but it was, it was a shocking second round you know, to be honest. And the word quit gets thrown around. That's not, she did quit. She tapped. That's what you do. But that's the purpose of what your opposition is supposed to do. The whole point of this business is to make your opponent quit, either by lying on the floor, getting knocked out, submitting or whatever. And yeah, she made a quit because when you get tired, it makes cowards out of everybody. After the, uh, I thought she might have been like, you know how like we, we've talked about the Francis Stipe second fight and when Francis sprawled, you knew that it might be a little bit of a, a tougher night for Stipe because that speed wasn't going to help. At the end of that round, first round when Amanda, uh, when she was trying to put her in a Kimura and you knew she had to be very careful. Uh, that's when I said this might not be an easy night for her um, because I can't remember the last time I saw her in any kind of trouble like that at all. And at the end of the first round, she was not in a, a great position. 
Yeah, well, I think there was a few fights with Felicia Spencer, with Jermaine Durandame, where she kind of got tr- controlled a little bit. So I did expect Juliana to have some success in the early rounds in the grappling transitions. She's a big, strong girl. She grapples with guys like Michael Chiesa, you know what I mean? She And she's got that attitude. Juliana's a real fighter, you know what yeah. I mean? She's, she's no... Uh, she ain't no dainty little ballerina. She's going to come out there. She's going to fight. She's not afraid to take it to uh, Nunes. Yeah, hey, listen, bad night at the office for, for Nunes. Fantastic night at the yeah. office for Juliana Pena. That's the way it goes. Matt knows this. Every time you go in, you know, you hope you have a good night, but sometimes things don't click. Sometimes things don't feel right. And sometimes you get cracked in the face and you get your bell rung and it all goes out the window. And it's a good rematch because you know that'll probably be uh, Juliana's next fight. Well, her first defense will probably, I'm going to guess, would be against Amanda. So at least you have a, a, a great next fight and a, a great uh, rematch to watch. Yeah, one would have thought so. I mean, it makes sense. Generally, when someone's that dominant, the UFC yeah. put them in for an immediate rematch. Uh, same with you, Matt, right? Did you, was it an immediate one with you and George? Uh, he, he had to fight. He, I got hurt. I was going to fight Matt Hughes. I blew my back out. And then he fought Matt Hughes. And then I fought him after that. Yeah. Okay. So oh, but your first fight was him after after the you fought once. Yeah. Yeah, it went yeah. terribly. Let's get back to the latest fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but the point I'm making is that generally when someone's a dominant champion like that, I'm trying to think of some other examples. But that's what they do. So I would assume that that would be Juliana's next match. I know she's calling out Shevchenko. I mean, wouldn't that be unbelievable for her to go from? you know, having a great career, but not being a champion or anything like that to all of a sudden beating Nunes and Shevchenko back to back. Holy cow. Nah, that, that's a movie to be written. Uh, let, me, let me, speaking of turnarounds, Charles Oliveira at one point was like 10 and eight in the UFC. That's a 10 and eight. I seen that in a thing. And then the last 10 fights, 10 and 0. I'm, I hope I'm not making that up. I no, no, no. Fun. That's right. I think. Thank you so much. I'm not big on stats, but I remember that. <laughs> Jimmy's like, you just fucking make you hitting that pen again. No, what a fucking turnaround! And look what he's look at the guys he's facing, and look what he's doing to them. I mean, not only I mean what he did to Tony Ferguson is what he did to him, but even Michael Chandler, dude, he had his back, just like he took Dustin Poirier's back. I mean, he's just this is a high level. What the fuck? What clicked in this guy's brain? Because he's not like he got a totally different skill set. He was always dangerous pretty much everywhere. But wow, what is clicking with this guy? Well, it it is the same skill set, as you mentioned. Still, skill set's always been there as well. And the narrative in the past was that, oh, that he quit. You know, and when you get finished sometimes, I think it was eight times. Fair enough. You can get that. Uh, That that narrative may be acceptable to use. But I think that's out the window now. Because look at that fight against Chandler. End of the first round, he was all but done. He was on his all fours. He was swinging his head around, trying to stay in that fight. First round against Dustin Poirier. Got dropped a couple of times. Do you know what I mean? You cannot say this man does not have heart. And you certainly got to say that he has balls. Because he walked Dustin Poirier down. Relentless pressure crazy high pace. And then in the second round, he had the ability to make the adjustments to say, all right, never mind the stand-up business. I'm getting my ass kicked. Boom, shot in, really powerful shoot to a double leg, sorry, to a body lock, and then trying to get the takedown. And as, as we know, we saw what happened. Incredible. I couldn't be happier. I'm devastated for Dustin, right? What a great guy. He's such a nice guy, you know, and you want to see the good guys win. Charles Oliveira is a good guy, though. You know, he comes yeah. from a you know a very very tough background. To see what he's doing down there in the favelas and giving back and helping people out, and Dustin donating twenty thousand dollars as well, even to when his, he lost yeah, to his his town, right? It's just beautiful. It's beautiful. 
What do you, who do you think's next for him? Uh, my, I, I, I'm going to guess it's Gaethje. Who, who do you think is next for uh, Oliver? It's got to be Gaethje. I mean, think about it. Benil and uh, Mahajev, they still haven't even fought yet. You yeah. know, and I don't think Charles was too banged up after that. You know, you never know, but who knows? Two, three months, Justin gets his shot. And then it's the winner of Gage versus uh, Benil. No, no. It's Mahachev versus Benil. It's early. I just finished my bloody work. Yeah, yeah. The, the winner of that will take the, uh, will take the winner of Gage Oliver. That makes sense. But I give any anybody uh, on the ground, I think, uh, is the only person that has a shot against uh, Oliveira. I, I think anybody that's primarily more of a stand-up fighter is going to have a very hard time against him, the same way they did against uh, Habib. That's why I want to see that, Matt. Yeah. I'm sure you're intrigued about that. I want to see Mahachev against Oliveira because we know Oliveira can stand, but it would be awesome to see that match, that stylistic, diff, you know, they've got different styles of grappling, but yes. to see that take place, I'd love to see that as a fan. That's Well, if, if they grapple, though. You remember like uh, Usman and uh, Covington, and what is it, like one takedown attempt in the first right? Like they, they just both stood up because what, – what do you think that is? Is it because they both equally mastered? Does neither one of them want to lose that battle on the ground? What do you think, Matt? As far as with two grapplers, I think that sometimes it's too difficult to get each other down that they're saying, fuck this, I'm going to stand up with them. Because, you know, <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> it's exhausting. It's exhausting to try and drag another man that knows how to grapple, that knows how to not get taken down. And you try and you try and you try. And in the end, you're like, oh, fuck this. Let's just fucking bang it out with our hands because it's a damn sight easier. <laughs> it takes a lot less effort to swing that than what it does to try and wrestle uh, yeah. uh, another man down to the floor. You see, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just, let, let's just throw down that real man. But it's also different coming uh, from like a, a jujitsu mindset is that, um, you know, sometimes you don't need that clear takedown. You just need like, I'm a, it's, it wasn't ideal for Chris Weidman. Who's more, even though he's very good jujitsu, but he's more of a wrestling base. It's a big difference with him trying to jump on Luke Rockhold's back up against the cage, which is going to be worse to wear. Cause most likely he's not going to finish him. And second of all, Luke's going to be chilling. And it's a big difference between like that type of situation. And then Aljo Sterling, so getting the back, he's exposing somebody's back, just jumping up there. He could be there. He'll hang out there for fucking 25 minutes without his legs getting tired. Same thing with a Charles Oliveira. He, you expose the back. He could hop up on that back. All he has to do is see it. He doesn't need to take down. And yet, look what it, look where it gets him. It gets him to the point of finishing. A Damian Maya. This is the difference between that type of thing. And I'm really interested, only because Mike brought it up, is uh, Islam versus Brunel. Uh, 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 Benilla, yeah. that, that's going to be that's going to that that is going to say a lot because now you're dealing with a guy who does have that with a uh, Benio uh, 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 Darush. He has a, he has that jujitsu. Oh yeah, jujitsu. So he's high I, level. I want to see Islam Sambo against that in that versus that jujitsu in the grappling realm if it goes there because those guys are also very dangerous striking and either yeah. one of those guys would be a great test. Yeah. Oh no, and it'd be great to see. I think Dustin, I mean, you know this, Matt. He made he made some critical mistakes Saturday night when you get up. I mean, you touched on it there. You do not give up the back. Simple as that. And if you're up against the fence, your shoulders are going to be against the fence. And you know, you just you can't turn and give up half a shoulder or anything. Because a guy like Charles, he will get he will take it, he will get it. And if you got him on your back, you're in trouble. Simple as that. But now he might have been so paranoid of that. It costs them round two because, hey, man, no, of course, you, you open up that door with a good jujitsu guy, he's gonna play off your movement. Next thing you know, he's an half guard. Next, you know, he's cross side. So, what Dustin did, he kept those fucking things locked. So, yep. okay, you're not getting well, he did take some punishment there, but some elbows, yeah, overwhelmed. 
But hey, dude, you just literally handed him this round that very well could be a 10-8 round because we didn't do jack shit in it. Just like, you know what I mean? So Yep, yep. I mean, it's risk versus reward, isn't it? The risk is that you can try and get back to your feet, but the moment you give that little bit of space, that separation, and guys like Charles is going to pass your guard, and then you're mounted. Then you're giving up your back or whatever it is, and then it's... Then you know, then then you're on, you're on a fast track to tapping out pretty quick. So he thought, you know, right now I'm just going to lock this guard. I've got the triangle guard, if you will. That's what, but uh, and Rogan thought maybe he'd heard his hit, but I was like, nah, nah. He's just playing it safe right here, you know, because he was out in the open as well. He was nowhere near the fence. And obviously, when you got the fence behind you, it's a little easier to get up. When yeah. you're out in the open, it's a little more tricky. Yeah, that's got to uh, that's got to really suck when you know there's a lot of time left too. There was a lot of time left on the clock when he went down, right? There was over three minutes, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it, it does suck. I'm feeling. I mean, I like that Kai Kara France, and I'm, I'm always happy yeah. with my success. But man, I I feel for Cody Garber. Sure. I really do. He's he's a young kid still. What is he? Thirty? Is he thirty? I'm not like, sure. I just want it, to. It's you've seen his fight back in the day with Dominic Cruz. It feels weird to say back in the day. You know, yeah. Yesterday. But five years ago. Yeah, I mean, almost six years. It's about well, five years. Yeah. I mean, to see him going in, practically just break dancing and pulling off shit and right. hard, to hit, hard to hit, comes back with a fucking lightning. And then I don't know. Just I don't like seeing a guy stopped more than once. Like, you know what I mean? Like several, it's like, this is not good. No. So I don't know, man. His head, I remember, I don't know if it's the weight cut. It's just like yo. I just I'm like yo. He's his head looks huge to me. I'm like fuck. He's all head at 125, and fucking Kai was catching it early, and I didn't see any adjustments, and it was getting me scared. I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 a tough one for Cody, isn't it? Because he's been finished a lot recently, even at 35. The one that he didn't get knocked out and against Rob Font, he got handled for five rounds prior to that knocked out three of his last four. And then of course at 125, you think he's going to go down there. He might be the bigger guy, but making those weight cuts, it affects your ability to take a shot. I know that for a fact at 205, I could take a punch way better than what I could at 185. Um, unfortunately, Cody needs to take some real time away now, I think. And then, if you want, I mean, I'm not going to tell the guy to retire, right? But but you can't keep getting knocked out like that. It's not good for you. And I say, take some time away, come back, and then give it another shot. And if that, if you get knocked out again, then unfortunately, it might be time to uh, look elsewhere. But I'm a fan of the guy. I like yeah. the way he carries himself. He's a great guy, and he's an amazing fighter. What do you think it is like? Is is it a mental thing too? Like when you're 11 and 0, I think you, I want to say I think he's 11 and 0, and then he's one in five. It is all of a sudden you start to lose confidence and you make decisions that you shouldn't make. I mean, anyone can, I'm sure, get hit right, but is there anything mental that goes into decisions you're making because your confidence isn't where it should be? Yeah, well, Cody was always that type of guy. He was a brawler. You know what I mean? He believed in himself and he was happy to stand and bang. And he did that a few times. And then who was it? Pedro Munoz. He did the same thing. He stood there and stood toe to toe and he got knocked out again. And then it was like, okay, now I need to readdress some things. You know, that was definitely ego. Now it's like, okay, now I've got to try and change my style a little bit, be a bit more mature. When I get caught with a shot, not stand there and just trade, which the crowd loves, you know, the crowd loves that, but it's not conducive to a, a long career and B potentially winning that fight. And it looked like he'd made some adjustments, but I think, and Matt knows this, you see it all the time with a lot of fighters. There just seems to be, and I don't know if he's there, but the chin just has an expiry date when you, when you get touched on it that many times. And then all of a sudden, I mean, Chuck Liddell, best example ever. You know, Dana used to say he could hit that man with a baseball bat. Towards the end, he was getting every time 
a good bloody gust of air <laughs> went at him. <laughs> no disrespect to the Iceman, of course. Yeah. Pardon me. But Rich Franklin threw, threw a shot. I mean, his one arm was broken, and he and he threw it. Was, it wasn't the best shot that Liddell had ever taken at all. And and that uh, that no. uh, that dropped. And those him, shots yeah. that Tito Ortiz hit him with in that boxing match were not the best shots he's ever taken either. Sure. That's a fact. Yeah, I'll tell you the punch that Anderson Silva hit Tito with was fantastic. Oh, <laughs> great! Might as well throw that in there. Yeah, <laughs> it was nice though. Jimmy, I left the sport with my fucking chin. Dang, yeah. I got family to defend. I might not have knees. Oh, well, I got you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, Don't talk to me about knees, buddy. I got but, no knees. No, wait, no, no, no. You have two new knees. And I shiny. I <laughs> <laughs> like my head. Listen, I get jealous. I see you running with your stud of a son. You're doing your cardio. I was with you in Abu Dhabi when me and you, I'd probably beat you in a race back then. And I can't walk. You recommend I get the knees done. I want to yes. do jujitsu though. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I was in, I commentated in Shenzhen, China, and I went for a walk with Forrest Griffin. And I literally was like an old age pensioner. I, I said, Forrest, just go on without me. I couldn't even walk. And I was in so much pain, so much. And I came back and I'd had, I don't know. I, I don't know the number of surgeries I had on my knees trying to make them better. And then in the end, they just went, listen, Mike, there's nothing for it. You're going to have to have a knee replacement. And I didn't want to do that for obvious reasons. Anyway, in the end, I bit the bullet. And the recovery is awful. I'm not going to lie to you. It's awful. It's horrible. My leg swelled up to about two and a half times the normal size. It was so painful. But it's only a few weeks. You know what I mean? Uh, get prepared to be very high on a lot of medication. But, 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 but now and I've had them done to both legs, um, zero pain. I run every day. I just did 30 minutes on the treadmill this morning. Normally, I run the hills by my house. Zero, zero pain. Zero, could nothing. You could you imagine running the hills before? No way. I, you just, just, it used to kill. Just, to get, just walking was agony. But I will say this, in terms of doing jiu-jitsu, I have... Uh, I'm, I'm so bloody busy these days. I don't get a chance to go in much, but it is weird still to the, the one I had on my left knee. I think I got that in 2019. So that's been over two years now, two and a half years. And it's still utterly and completely numb to touch. And then when I get on my knees on a mat, it's not pain, but the sensation is just bizarre and it's very uncomfortable. I can't wait to get on my back. Like, is it like a numbness or? It's like, just a numbness. It's yeah. a numbness, but it feels weird. It's It's like, I don't know. It's like a weird sensation that you just, I don't Will know. it come back? Will it come back? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I mean, there's a big old scar. It's about the, the same surgeon did it. I think it's fair to, I mean, he did a fantastic job. And, you know, as I say, I'm running every day, but the scar on one side's about an inch thick. The scar on the other side's like a nice little, thin little slash. But he said he had less work to do on that side. So. And yours was bone on bone. It was from arthritis. Oh, dude, bone on bone. It was killing. I'm telling you, the pain. I, if you ever speak to Forrest Griffin, ask him. When I was in China, I was, and I was, I was so pissed off. And I got like this recently because I need neck surgery again. You know what I mean? So it gets you down. You're like, why can't I do things? Why can't I go for a walk? Why can't I fucking lift weights? Why can't I run? Why can't I do jujitsu? Why, why can't I do that? You know, and then, you know, you, I don't, you don't have these thoughts very often, but now and again, you know, you do get in your own thoughts and your own heads and you start to feel sorry for yourself. And like, for fuck's sake, I see other people and they can still run to this day and whatnot. Yeah. The best thing I ever did was have the knee replacements. That's what I needed to know. Yeah. Uh, now, are you still doing the podcast with Lewis or you're not? 
I'm still doing the podcast, just not with Lewis. Me and Lewis decided to part ways. He's a bit of a fucking, he's a handful to deal with. Do you know what I mean? And there was a little bit of that going on. So in the end, we said, you know what? Good luck to you. Good luck to me. Let's do our own thing. And uh, yeah. all the best. Bon voyage. Wish him nothing but luck and success. How, how do you feel doing it by, you're doing it by yourself now? I, I, I do it by myself, but I have the producers and I get like guest co-hosts. I get, we still get guests on, you know, so it's not just me sitting there talking, uh, you know, we get people on and then, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, we was just relying on a lot of guests. Life is easier. Life is easier. Okay. By the way, you have a nice setup too, man. you the lights and stuff in your, in your, the red brick in the back and the blue on one side. It, it looks good. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, no. So I, I launched a YouTube channel a few months ago. I had no idea that it would be so, so successful an endeavor because I'm all about the YouTube now. Holy shit. I thought you had to have like millions upon millions. And you know, like a Jake Paul, 20, 30 million. Turns yeah. out you don't to make a decent living on YouTube. So I'm cranking out that content every day. Michael Bispin searching on YouTube. But uh, at 42 years old, it is embarrassing to say uh, amongst my many others, uh, other endeavors, I am now, I guess, a goddamn YouTuber, which I am ashamed to yeah. say. Oh, don't be, man. Dude, I'm a gamer. I'm going to hang up with you. I'm going to put a headset on and play video games. I'm not even getting paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> look at, I mean, hey, who killed that thing in the middle? Rogan? What, what, look at what am I looking at? That thing looks like it's something out of the fucking. But they are oh, no that that's from Hobby Lobby. Ten bucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, this stuff, stuff behind Rogan. He's like, yeah, I killed that with a crossbow. No, Hobby like, Lobby. I, I, Hobby <laughs> I am nowhere near that cool or that outdoorsy. Although my son, who loves animals, he wants to be a vet. Now is obsessed with hunting invasive species. And he watches Joe Rogan and he wants a crossbow. So I thought, all right, I'll get a crossbow. I didn't realize that I ordered like a proper crossbow. Things about six foot tall. The, 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 the arrows are about this long. They're metal. I'm like, son, you're not leaving the house with that thing. You're going to kill somebody. But it's like, yeah. So anyway, he, my son wants to murder cute little animals because, because of Joe Rogan. Well, dude, I feel like a hypocrite though if I said anything because God knows I like some venison. Sure. Mm. Well, me too. You know, I like, like a nice steak as much as the next man. I just don't want to kill it myself. So, Michael, where can people get your stuff? It's a, it's a, YouTube is the main thing you're promoting and your podcast. Yeah, I mean the podcast. Believe you may have been doing that for years now. Check it out, and uh, yeah, I guess on the uh, on my YouTube channel, check it out. I've always got some videos going up there every day. Is this is this the end, boys? Is it, is this the end is nigh? Who are you kicking kicking me off for? Who? Oh no, next? no, no one. We're done. Come on, man. Oh. We're easing out of it. We can talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, yeah, there's hey, no one got, left. You're it. We got similar lives, Michael Bisping. We got similar lives. We chill. We have a good. Hey, thank God most. Fucking fight is like talking to that fucking can over there. Oh, me and you would be fucked. No, thank oh, goodness. God. Thank goodness, Michael. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I was talking about this yesterday. I left school at 16 with zero qualifications, got into martial arts, managed to make something of myself. Now the fight career is over. Fortunately, A, the sport is so popular, and B, with modern technology and social media and all this type of stuff, I can sit in my ass. I don't leave the house yeah. and I still get to make a living. You know what I mean? What a wonderful world. Yeah, it's crazy, right? It, it is crazy how much you can make not going out. Like you can, yeah. you can make enough disposable income in the house and get your mortgage paid or whatever. It, it is a nice, yeah, uh, yeah, no, nice it feeling. is, it is. And, and still, and and be commentating the UFC. I'm so grateful for that gig. I love it. You know, it doesn't feel like work to me. I love because people always say, "Oh, do you miss the sport? Do you think you want to come back?" I'm sure you get that all the time, Matt. Yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah, because I feel like I could still do it. And then I see like some of this Jake Paul nonsense, and I think I could come in and knock him out, no problem. <laughs> uh, but then I, I still get to commentate the. 
UFC. You know, I still get to be a part of the show. We're doing so stuff. We're busy. Yeah, exactly. One exactly. thing, if you're not busy, just posting old pictures of yourself or something, that can get weird. I see some yeah. guys like that. I'm like, oh, shit. Fuck. But, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Then I hang out with my Jimmy. But really quick, what you YouTube thing? Because I get Jimmy, I could definitely see me going down this path. I can too. Hey, hey do like, it. I'm telling you. Over. I'm going to follow Bisping's fucking with his knees, with his fucking YouTube. I'm going to follow this man. Listen, <laughs> when you're doing your YouTube show, you have like a set time every day you do it. And do you have a premise of that show or you just putting it on and kicking it with answering questions? What do you no, think? no. So, so what I do is most days I put up a, a video every day uh, on something that's, that's being spoke about in the MMA world. Like yesterday, I talked about Dustin Poirier losing the belt, actually. The title of the video, is it is Dustin's career done and dusted? You know, uh, uh, and then we talked about that. And the answer was no, it's not. Uh, today I'm going to talk about Nunez. Later in the week, I'll talk about Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley. Once a week I go live and then yeah. I just like I just answer whatever questions. Check this out. I had no idea. You go live, people make donations to ask. And I'm like, I don't want your donations. I don't want your don't I don't need that. That's not why I'm doing it. But they do it to ask questions at the end of a live. You've got like $1,500 just from donations. I'm like, I don't need your donations, but they, oh. they want the questions answered. So he puts them at the top. It's just the way YouTube works. It's, uh, it's a little embarrassing, but I'll take it. Why not? Fuck that, man. If there's another pandemic, I'll take their questions in there. <laughs> Listen, Michael, I have as many kids as you. I got to... Ask me anything. Yeah, no, no, no. I do enjoy it. It's nice. It's nice to interact with, uh, uh, you know, other people. And, you know, but when you're doing the lives, you can end up talking about all kinds of shit as well, not just MMA. Do you know what I mean? Someone will ask you some weird question and you go off on a tangent. So it's fun, you know? You have a good channel. I'm looking at it as you guys are talking. And you have a lot of followers, man. You get fucking uh, over 300,000 people. And uh, yeah, I think it, it just looks started. really good. Yeah. I only started that in uh, July or August. So the support's been incredible. So yeah. it's, it's really really taken off and taken on a life of its own. Do you know, three months ago in July, I was busy enough already. And then I started this shit. And now I'm like, oh my, my wife's like, she's on the verge of leaving me. You know, she's like, I used to be with a man. Now you're sitting there with a fucking ring light and a, and a camera talking to your YouTube audience. She's like, who is this person? Who are you? Where is the man that I married? I'm, dude, I'm looking at these. You have some great videos, man. This looks really good, this channel. Everything uh, is well put together. Uh, you have one video with over 2 million views. These are great, man. This really channel looks fucking excellent. Yeah, just real quick on that one that has over 2 million views. I went to Bourbon Street, New Orleans. I got punched in the face of some random dude on the street. You might have heard the story. I heard about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I talked about it on the podcast because the punch was nothing. He told me to stop filming. I told him to go fuck himself. He said, I'm not going to tell you again. And in the end, he sucker punched me, the little prick. I was there with my wife and kids and he was with about 20, 30 guys. They looked like trouble. Well, you were filming him? What were you doing? No, no, no. They're all like like these... uh, tubs of paint upside down, but they were using them as drums. And then there was women twerking and stuff. It was, you know, it was fun. And I'm being a tourist. So I get my phone. I was doing a little Instagram story as you do. And then the guy was like, yo, you can't film here. I'm like, Hey buddy, it's bourbon street. Cause can come on. He said, yo, I'm not going to tell you again. I said, well, I'm not going to tell you again. I said, I'm going to film. So deal with it. And he's like, and then he got right in my face. He said, I ain't going to tell you again, motherfucker. Don't film. I said, suck my fucking dick. And he just went bang. And he played to the guy. <laughs> so he punches me in the face, but it was literally like 
ding. It was like the softest punch I've ever felt, right? And he was acting all hard and macho, and that was his punch. I my instinctual reaction was literally to laugh out loud. I laughed my head off so hard. I was like, "Wow, you're acting all tough, and that's your punch." Oh my god! I said, "Come on, guys, get out of it." All right, tough guy. Take care. So I went back and I was laughing my head off. And I put it on social media and then I talked about it on my podcast. This little prick came out, did his own video on you on YouTube talking about it, saying that I hit like a bitch and stuff. So that's that video there. So we Did you hit him back or no? No, I walked away laughing. I walked to, come on, I'm not going to, I'm with my wife and kids. I'm not going to get into a brawl on Bourbon Street. Come on. That was the old Michael Bisping. What did he do when you, is is he shit talking you after, after he fucking, you laughed at him? No, he didn't. No, he just kind of stood there like, you know, giving it one of them. And I just laughed my head off. I said, come on, let's get out of here. You know, what are you going to do? It's fine. Yeah. It, it didn't hurt me. It didn't, I didn't feel threatened. And if A, he could have got arrested, could have got stabbed, could have got shot, would have terrified my children. Do you know what I mean? Come on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jimmy might have shot himself. Oh, I, I, first of all, <laughs> I would have I stopped filming when requested. That's the difference between me and you. Yeah, but, you know, he was just being a dick. But this is the funny thing. He said, yo, then he says on on this video that he did, he goes, you know, I asked him not to film because I don't want people to film me because of my criminal background, okay? I don't want to be seen on camera. But he's saying this on a YouTube video that he's recording, putting out. Yeah, he's not the smartest guy. God bless him. I feel sorry for the guy. So he didn't even know it was you, Michael? He he has no idea who he actually punched until your rebuttal video. He does now, and I've had threats. Don't come back to... uh, New Orleans, it's a small city. We're going to be looking for you. I'm like, okay, motherfucker. Shut well, up. They're mad at you? They're mad at me. Well, because I've been shit talking to them. I'm like, everyone, everyone, find this guy in New Orleans. And then and then I've been sent other pictures of, uh, sorry, videos of the guy sucker punching other people whilst wearing the exact same clothes of the night when he sucker punched me. The guy probably stinks, needs a shower, needs some new clothes. He's not very smart. You know, come on, come on. Wow. <laughs> God bless you. Jimmy, there's a lot of idiots out there, Jimmy. Yeah. You got to train, Jimmy. Yeah, I guess so. But then again, I would have just stopped filming. But, oh, I didn't realize I didn't have a permit. And I would have left. I'm a pussy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, good for you, All man. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it was good. It was good. All right, then. Well, pleasure talking <laughs> to you, fellas, as always. Yeah, you're uh, you're great, great, great on the air, man. It's so it's so good to see you with that full-time gig. It's uh, You're really well, thank you, awesome thank at you. it. Thank you very much. All right, well, listen, is, is this the end? Yes. Yeah, our show is done. It is over now, man. And uh, listen, listen, I love listening to your commentary. Yeah. Dominic Cruz, who's not known for giving compliments while attacking DC, goes, Michael Bisping, he does his homework. So congrats <laughs> on doing your homework, young man. Oh, do you know what? But that is a thing, isn't it? Because I, 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 I did not do homework at high school. I think once for five years, I never did. Do you know what I mean? And now... That's literally my life doing homework and it's hard, but you got to do it. You got, I mean, I love calling the fights and I love calling the action, but as they're walking out and even mid fight, you got to know these people because you got to relay them to the viewers at home that have no idea. Certainly the the newer guys, you know, like like the stars, whatever. I know them at the back of my hand, but the newer guys, you got to educate yourself and then you got to educate the viewer. And with that comes a little bit of responsibility because for these guys, you know, first fight of the night, it's yeah. their first fight in the UFC. They don't want to feel like they're being overlooked. To them, this is the Super Bowl, you know, so they want to have a guy that's, uh, you know, going to put the work in. It, it and, yeah. and it can be a bit of a drag, but that's what you got to do. That's what it calls for. It's called employment, not enjoyment, as they say. Boom, I <laughs> my, like that. I'm taking My friend that. Ray used to say that. Yeah. Oh, employment, not enjoyment. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, listen, Good enjoy you, the buddy. rest of your day. All right, Matt, all the best. Jim, yeah, later, champ. take care, fellas. 
Thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in. That was a great Michael Bisping, one of my favorite people in MMA, and also the Squar Brothers. They um, were nice, too. I they're like great. That. I like them. I like their energy, man. I want to see what they're going to do on that on Fight Pass thing. And then we'll look for an upcoming UFC Fight Pass with myself at Ray Longo's. It was a horrendous experience for myself, yeah. you know? And, uh, you know, don't get me wrong, though. I, I You know, I, Longo's still a good man, but I'm not – I don't need his dog on my lap when I'm eating my drunken Sicilian. Understandable. All right, man. Hey, listen, Jimmy, love you. Yes, I Congrats love you. To, uh, Congrats to the uh, the champions, Charles Oliveira yes. for defending his title. Juliana Pena. And Juliana Pena for doing arguably the biggest upset ever. Agree. We'll talk more about that on next week's show. Goodbye. Love you, Jimmy. Did you leave, Jimmy? For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. <laughs> Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.